reminder. For the end of this month, uh, uh, 29th is the Lord's Supper that morning and foot washing. And of course, our New Year's Eve gathering on the 31st at the armory and, I, and we and we secured the place from seven to midnight so and and, I, and uh, we are going to be doing the white elephant so those of you that want to participate uh, everybody knows uh, the, the rules and, and uh, of course you're asked to bring a present uh, that you can donate for the white elephant and I can't remember what the price of uh, the limit was. Was it I don't 10 or set one? It was 10, <laughs> 10, I think it was, yeah. So, amen, whatever you buy for $10 and bring <clears throat> for the white elephant. Menu's gonna be uh, like, uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and all, all the fixings that come with that. Uh, if you can bring the sides, uh, turkey, we're gonna have turkey. So and then whatever anybody else contributes, I guess from what I understand. So that will be happening on uh, New Year's Eve Tuesday. So we're looking forward to that. And of course we haven't set a date. We haven't decided, I don't know if we're going to or not, but uh, as far as our monthly uh, lunch sale, those are the only two things that, praise God, that we're, Schedule for this month, anyways. Hallelujah. So that's uh, basically our announcement. Um, and let me get to my. Hallelujah. Try, I tried not to put too much stress in my voice this evening. To sing, as far as singing is concerned, I'm going to lose my voice. Woke up. Monday morning with a uh, pretty rough and hard to talk, <clears throat> so I try to nurse it back to where I can talk a little bit. Praise God. And if you would please turn your attention. <laughs> the book let's see let me see where I am going to go let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 2 vicinity of
Did I say verse 12? Yeah. <clears throat> verse 12. I have to keep my Bible straight here. <laughs> I do my uh, study out of another Bible, and then sometimes I'll, I'll, I'm so used to the Thompson chain it's hard for me to, uh, I don't know why it is, but it's hard for me to try to teach out of uh, any other Bible than the Thompson Chain. So I'm always preparing my, my uh, messages or my Bible studies in one Bible. And I always, how many have ever done that? You put the Bible marker in there and you want to keep your pages. And then I, then I always tend to forget. So here I am bouncing around, but something came to my mind. So I figured I'd try to locate that first. And I'll... I'll jump to that in a second here, but uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse number 12. <clears throat> this is going to be interesting in the sense that uh, we're not going to, not just, just yet, but hopefully in the near future here, uh, get into the book of Revelation here. But I just want to work on this particular passage of Scripture just for tonight. So in verse 12, to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges, and know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days when Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I'll stop right there. But these are, are something, um, I guess, that are important for us to understand um, when you study the scripture and of course uh, we understand everything that's going to take place <clears throat> and, and of course what the Lord uh, revealed to uh, the Apostle John concerning the end times and uh, uh, the seven churches that were in Asia at that particular time and uh, I'm not going to really focus on uh, all the messages to the churches, which is uh, in itself, it's uh, really a really interesting um, study to get into and to try to understand. There's been a lot of people that have tried to break these uh, messages down, all the seven churches, and trying to put them in their place as far as uh, understanding what they are and everything, which God does. Uh, 
instruct us, and there's a reason why he spoke to the churches in the manner he did. And of course, everybody always relates to them as the churches back then in history of Asia Minor. <clears throat> but yet, they're profound in that they have a message even for the church today. And, and, and studying the nature and the character of all those churches and, and understanding and realizing that they evidently represent what exists in the church today, in the day and the age that we live in. But I'm not going to concentrate on that tonight. I'm just going to uh, present to you something that uh, I know that uh, is very uh, important for us to know and to understand, even to seek out and to search and, and why it is, you know, uh, God still looks down on certain things with uh, uh, how would I say certain things are detestable to him he has never changed his mind on certain things on certain abominations and his mind is his mindset is the same of course if you read if you, if you don't believe me and you get back here to the book of Revelation <clears throat> in chapter uh, 20, 21, and, and you'll see this, and, and uh, it's, a, it, it's of an important note to understand this and, uh, in, in verses number 7 and 8. He says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable, and and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So all of these things have a all these things that he made reference to here uh, in these two couple of passages of scripture is a destination that they will come to. And of course, we see that. So, uh, all all those that fall into uh, uh, these, how would I say, these uh, works of sin, and and you see, you know what their end is. To me, that's uh, to me when I read that, I I, I I I I gain understanding. But yet, because of the understanding I gain from that, I also gain. Uh, the fear of God, knowing that all these things, uh, uh, if they're if they're prevalent or if they're present in in the heart of of His people, His church, guess what? These things are are things that God does not approve of. Or uh, He's never looked upon them with with favor or grace. So we understand that. So we we need to be careful. So when we talk about certain things concerning uh, uh, what exists in, in, in the day that we're living in. Of course, uh, we just read passages out of the uh, book of uh, Revelation chapter 2 concerning, we mentioned uh, a couple things here that are pretty uh, important for us to understand. And, and uh, he talked about uh, the doctrine. Uh, thou, thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Okay? I was one of his 
concerns. And, and obviously what this means is idolatry, worship of idols and worship of false gods. He said, he said that you have some that are there that uh, allow this to happen. And so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Wow, those are strong words, aren't they? Strong words. So when you think about it, you might you might want to take into consideration and, and, and take a look at you know why the Lord felt so strongly about this that he spoke this to the church at Pergamos. Of course, there's so many other things that are <clears throat> spoken to the other churches that almost uh, a couple places that almost uh, rebuked him for the same thing. And this was something that he obviously wasn't pleased with, something that uh, he did not uh, like to see uh, in the midst of, of, of the church and his people. And uh, so this is why it's important for us. If you would go with me to the book of uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, I want you to understand and, and, and see this and see what the Apostle Paul said concerning this. And we're, we're, we're obviously, uh, we, we were in discussion about uh, influence the other day, a few days ago, we were talking about influence. All of us are influenced by somebody or something. We're influenced. Even, even right now, did you realize this? The, the mindset that has uh, settled into, even in this country, in, in the past few decades, did you realize this? This mindset moved in. It moved in, but it moved in in such a way that it did not move in quickly. It moved in very slowly. And the reason why it moved in slowly, so everybody can obviously adjust to it. You can adjust to the philosophy. You can adjust to the thinking. You can adjust to the, to the, <clears throat> the behavior. Even, even the, the, the teaching that, you know, is brought out of it. We can all adjust to it. And, and everything that we see in this country today has, has slowly moved in over uh, uh, an era of at least uh, two, two centuries. And so as a result, as you realize this, we're on this side of that influence. Uh, back then, they called it the age of illumination or understanding. And as a result of that, a lot of different philosophies and, and teachings came along with it and, and it infiltrated uh, the, the, Ameri the Americas and infiltrated even, even uh, the people that came across and settled in, in, in this country. So it's been that long that ha it has already been here. So obviously we're, we're subjects of it. We have adjusted to it, our thinking. <clears throat> and that's the reason why uh, you're saying, well, what does this have to do with what we're studying? It has a lot to do with what we're studying. Because we're, we're so ingrained with it that sometimes it's hard for us to really let go of what we have been taught since it has been passed down from generations before us. So here we are. We're sitting here with that mentality. We're sitting here with that, with that belief that, uh, amen, this is... This is uh, just something that we're so accustomed to, we're so used to. We believe it without 
Amen. Any kind of refutation or argument. Praise God. It's settled. I know how that feels because I was of that persuasion before. Amen. But what happened one day, like Jesus said, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth comes and truth liberates. Man, what a what a drastic and, and, and if, I, if there was a, a word I could use to explain everything that changed uh, in my life then was it was tumultuous or tumultuous. In other words, you know what? It caused a lot of, there was a lot of, <clears throat> amen, uh, you know, movement and a lot of stirring, a lot of shaking. And, and you know what, it's not just in my mind, but in my spirit, but even around me, my family, and all this. When truth came, when light shone, it just, you know what, it shook our world. It shook our world. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So in Colossians chapter 1, and verse number 23, uh, he says this, uh, and I hope I got the right one. I think I did. <clears throat> For if, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So in other words, he's saying here, if ye continue in the faith, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Hallelujah. I'm reading to you passages of scripture that were written before John wrote Revelation. Because obviously the Apostle Paul wrote this somewhere around uh, some speculate in the, in the 60s, the latter 60s, or the early 60s before he would he was martyred, and the Apostle John wrote Revelation sometimes after 90 AD. So, so we see this. We see the importance of it. But look what he's saying. Continue in the faith. Continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Okay, so we see that admonition to continue in the faith. Now you go over here to the uh, book of Jude, and amen, as, as everybody knows, that that chapter, that one single chapter, praise God, of Jude, in, in, in verse number 3 and 4 in the book of Jude, and we see this, uh, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see another admonition to continue in the faith. The faith that was once delivered to the saints. So we understand that. Continue in the faith which was once delivered 
Here's, here's uh, uh, New Testament doctrine, teaching, telling us what we ought to do. The church needs to be aware of, of what is going to happen. Obviously, they, they knew that there were going to be false prophets and false doctrines that were going to infiltrate the church, and that was the Apostle Paul's warning to the church in, in the book of uh, Acts as he met with the elders at Ephesus, and he said that there were going to be wolves that were going to come in. And amen, he, he warned them of all this that was going to, to happen. So he was preparing them about a time when, amen, these, uh, these teachers and these doctrines were going to come and infiltrate the church. So, so we see that. We see that here. Now you go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number tw uh, 20. And uh, just, just follow me as we go along and I'll get to my point here. But I, I just want you to see this for yourselves. <clears throat> Amen. And, and, um, and, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse number uh, 20, he says, he says that, uh, that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I'll just go ahead and read that next two verses. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also ye are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. But we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Prophets, Jesus Christ being himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and everybody probably in here knows, is pretty familiar with this particular scripture verse, but I, I want to read it anyway. In verse number 11, he says, uh, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, verse number 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So in other words, what he's saying here is we need to take heed how we build upon this foundation. There's no other foundation that has been laid and which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He said, you can, you can build upon this foundation. He said, you can build upon it gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. All these elements. Of course, if you look at the difference of the elements that he mentions, there are certain things there that do not have the strength to stand the test 
of what God says or how we are to build. Amen. Some, some elements are elements that are going to, obviously, they're going to get burned. They're going to be burned to ashes. So some elements aren't going to survive. Let's realize this, okay? This will make sense as we begin to study more and more about end time doctrine and about what's taking place in the church right now, what's happening right now as far as God's word is concerned in the church, that there are certain elements that have been here in the church that have been uh, ministered in the church, but some of these elements, I believe, are hay and stubble. And guess what's going to happen? Amen. Time is going to, to tell. And amen. When, when the word of God is going to be tried, we're going to find out that all these other things, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be consumed by fire. And the only thing that is going to stand is those things that are precious. The gold, the silver, the precious stones. Praise God. These things are going to stand the test. Amen. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yes. Amen. This is something that uh, a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people don't even realize and understand. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 16. And just be, bear with me now, like I said, bear with me. I'm <clears throat> just... Uh, moving around just to establish certain things as far as God's word is concerned. Uh, verse Timothy chapter 4, verse number 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Amen. Take heed. Take heed. Unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Take heed unto it. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So we're, we're to take heed to the doctrine, to the teaching, to the word of God. If we do not take heed, praise God. We need to be careful. We need to be concerned. So we understand that this is a very uh, profound uh, admonition given by the Apostle. Paul, okay? Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We all know this very well. Uh, praise God. And, and, uh, Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Excuse me. And verse number 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. In other words, he's a God that never changes. He's always the same. Nothing's ever changed about him. Praise God. But look what he says. He says this, and, and he says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. Don't be carried about with different and strange doctrines. For it is good that the, the heart be established with grace, with favor, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Amen. So here we, here we see this, and uh, here we see he's talking about, you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. <laughs> then he talks about being not carried away with uh, divers and strange doctrine. So we are not to be carried away with divers and strange doctrines. Amen. But we are to. We are to. 
Amen. Take heed to that. So this is important for us. This is very important for us to understand. Now, uh, I, I want you to understand something. We started off with Revelation chapter 2. Now that I finish all this, I want you to understand why it was so important that uh, the Lord admonished the church there at Pergamos about, uh, amen, the, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and, and all of this. And if you, if you really do a word study on, on what he's talking about, uh, the doctrine of, of the Nicolaitans, in the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, you notice that any, any person that was influenced by Nicolaitan religion or philosophy. Now, I, I want you to understand this. Uh, this. This doctrine or this teaching was not something that was just, you know, presented or, or, or it wasn't uh, conceived as this was coming around to the churches in Asia Minor. This was not something that just all of a sudden surfaced and so as a result it was spread about in all the, the churches that were there in Asia Minor. No, this is not something, this wasn't a new idea or a new doctrine. This doctrine basically came from antiquity. This doctrine was basically uh, its first, its first uh, uh, introduction or glimpse was brought to the world way back in the time of Nimrod. Wow. And it transferred up from Nimrod and it made its circulation around the countries that we know, the Middle East countries, the Orient, as, as historians call it, uh, the Syrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, and then even in the northern countries there, even in Europe, all these religious uh, philosophies and ideas basically infiltrated those lands as, as man began to, after the Tower of Babel, began to disperse and they went about. But here we see the, the inception of that doctrine, how it made its way in from, even from Nimrod's time. Okay, uh, I, I, want you to, I want you to hear that. Because there was so, so much of the, the religion of man, somehow they wanted to connect themselves to God. They knew they wanted to connect themselves to God. The only, and here, here's the thing. Historians speculate that the Tower of Babel was built for two reasons. One of the first reasons they said it was built is so that man could worship the heavens or the host of heaven. It was an astrological observatory, they said. So they could look into the stars. The other reason said, they said it was built that in case the God who created in heaven and earth brought another flood upon the earth, what would happen? They would have a means to survive, thinking that tower would be able to rise up above another flood if it possibly came. In other words, God, you know, they were resisting God all the way down, all the way down the line. Praise God. But here we see, as a result of this, how this was all passed on, okay? Uh, <clears throat> and then, coming up in the time of the Babylonians, and then moving into the surrounding nations, uh, right around Israel there, uh, 
the Philistines, and all these seven nations that the Lord spoke to the people of Israel that they were supposed to eradicate or basically remove out of that out of the promised land. So we see that here, here, here were all these these religions that were just made its way and basically passed from one nation to another, from one generation to another. So they survived, it survived time. Of course, it changed its name over the years. It changed its name over the years. It was known as something in one country, another thing in another country, okay? <clears throat> so if you, if you see that, if you study history, you'll find out that that's what, you know, what happened. So <clears throat> the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. People were taught, basically, their first and foremost theory was that they were taught that they received their authority and power from the priest. Okay? Now, can anybody give me an idea of a religious establishment, maybe you don't know it, maybe some of you do. The Roman Catholic Church. So in other words, here we find all this moving through history and then finding another place where it can abide, it can reside, okay? Now listen to this, has to do with religion, not God. And so it resided in the Roman Catholic Church. Okay? It made its way there, and there it was. And that's, that's what we're speaking about. Okay? So the doctrine of the Nicolaitans were taught that they got their power and authority from the priests. Okay? Nico, meaning to conquer. And... Leo, meaning the people. So all this was the, the if I'm going to say, the objective of this belief or this religion was this, to conquer, to conquer the people. Wow. So in the world today, now we can bring it up to modern day, we can bring it to present time. Did you realize that all the ideals, all the philosophies, all the teachings of this religious system still prevails to this day in this world. Hallelujah. And its purpose? Of course, we just read it, to conquer the people. So we see this. We see this, how this is important. And, and for us to understand that, uh, praise God. We were, we were talking about something the other day. I, I'm just going to throw this in here. Somebody asked me about, you know, the, the custom. Why is it? Because, you know, uh, I made the comment of, uh, I think it was in one of the services a week ago or something, about when I was feeling conviction in the Holy Ghost, what happened? I said, I was looking in the mirror. And I felt like I wasn't happy with myself because I thought something was out of place or something was just not right with me. I realized what it was. It was my, the way I looked, my appearance. I wanted to line up what my 
what my 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 parents I wanted to line up with what I was feeling in my spirit. And you know what I did? I went and I and I got a haircut and I shaved. And when I did, you know what? I felt clean. Just for that purpose, I felt clean. Okay? Why was that? Because the Holy Ghost was working in me. I felt its conviction. I felt moved to do what I felt like God wanted me to, to do. And you know what that was? To become godly. I was no more a sinful man or a sinful creature. I was no more under the power elements of the world than sin. I, I was bought with his blood. I was redeemed. I was purchased. And you know what? I was feeling, amen, I was feeling the working of the Holy Ghost in me. So as a result, amen, my spirit wanted my body to line up to what it was feeling, to become godly or to become like him, to reflect godliness. You know, that's what the Lord wills for the church to have. Uh, amen. To, to, so that the world can see from the people of God is godliness. Amen. He, godliness has to be projected through us so that the world can see that, amen, there is a God. And there is an image that people present that basically when they see us, they see God's uh, nature in us. So as a result, they see godliness. So, so it's like that. Now, here's the thing. We're, we're way on this side, this, this generation. When I say this generation, I was fortunate enough to be around godly people. When I say that, okay, my grandparents, my maternal and my paternal grandparents were godly people. Amen. Even though they did not have the Holy Ghost, of course, my grandma Annie ended up being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. They did what they could to embrace godliness and even to live that life and even to look that part of being godly. There was a distinction that they made as a result of their conviction. So they, they lived that life. They walked that way. Amen. They just Everything they did was, is they projected godliness. So my mind was basically adjusted to that. I seen that image. I seen that image of godliness. So I knew Amen. What it was like for a person to, to have that image of godliness, that character of godliness, or I should say the nature of godliness. <clears throat> so, so here it is. You know why people have a hard time submitting themselves to the word of God? I told you the other day I was going to get deep. What is it that allows us to, when it comes to God's word? Of course, I, I read some scripture that came out of the book of Romans. The carnal man cannot perceive the things that be of God. For they are what? Foolishness, Foolishness unto him. Hmm? And the carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot be subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it's hard for our carnal nature to try to submit to God's will and his word. We fight it. That's a natural human impulse. We fight our human, our humanity every day, don't we? Every day, every day we wake up, we fight this flesh. Huh? 
even to pray, even to study, even to meditate upon God's word. Why? Our, our body wants to do what it wants to do. We fight it every day. That's carnal nature. So the reason why it is that we, it's hard for us subject, to subject ourselves to it is because, you know, we've been living on this side of, of that philosophy, this side of what the world has so much ingrained or instilled in our minds. Huh? I, can, I can think back as far as the 1960s. And you know what, back then, that's a long time ago. Some of you weren't even born then. Huh? And you know what? Back then, you had no problem telling the difference between a man and a woman. Huh? And people weren't wearing crazy, crazy hairdos and amen. And, and, and you know what? Dyeing their hair purple or green or yellow or you know, whatever it was. Everybody just basically accepted their human physical anatomy just the way it was. Who cared less? Huh? And so there was an element of, of humility. There was an element of godliness that people walked in. And you know why? Because that's the way God created us to be. He created us to be distinct. Hallelujah. But the reason why we fight it so much is this. Is, is we're so used to it. And that's why people question, oh, when you go to that church, huh? Why is it you have to give up your drinking? Why is it you have to give up your cigarettes? Huh? Why is it you have to give up fornication? Huh? Adultery? Lying? Huh? Why is it? Why is it you have to live that way? People don't understand. You know why? That's carnal nature. They want to question. They want to question the word of God. They want to refute the word of God. They want to argue with the word of God. They do not understand. And unless you are filled and led by the Holy Ghost, you will never be able to subject yourself. Okay? That's why all this is important to us. Seems like, you know, sometimes, you know, how many of you love God? Amen. I love the Lord. Amen. I just feel like there's a there's, a, there's a, a pressure that is being exerted right now, not so much on the world. Huh? That's right. A lot of people are comfortable out there in the world. Yeah. They're comfortable with the way they're living. Pretty comfortable, pretty relaxed. We're, we're, we're living in, a, in an age where we see a lot of uh, Hellenism, humanism. Mm -hmm. All this, in other words, they just want to live for pleasure. They just want to absorb their, their human... Uh, uh, the humanness, huh? Yeah. And, and and that's why there's no right or wrong. That's why there's no white or black. Huh? Yeah, that's, right. that's why there there is no good or evil. Huh? Yeah. They lost that ability to know the difference between good and evil, huh? Clean and unclean, mm -hmm. and, and all this. They've lost that ability to, and and that's why the world just seems like they they just look in a in a certain color that they cannot see the distinctions. Mm -hmm. Now you know what I'm. And, and see, even our so-called Christian, uh, the Christian, uh, how could I say, believers. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, you can be happy and, you know, that, I think that's why it's so, if I want to say it this way, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. That's why it's so easy for them to live for God. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so easy for them to live for God. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have to give up much of the lust of the flesh. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The will of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Huh? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But you see, that's why I'm glad God called us Amen. and separated us. Amen. 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 With the gospel, so so we see this, okay? We see this, and, and, it's, and it's like that with, with even in, in the religious in the religious uh, area of this world. Let me tell you something. It just seems like the world is trying to put that pressure, and that pressure is just coming against those who want to believe and those who want to live this life. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we are to succumb or give in to what's happening out there? No, it doesn't. We are to live. Okay. Okay. Uh, I insert that in. It's not costing me. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Second Timothy chapter. Second Timothy chapter four. charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be instant in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine but after their own lust shall they eat themselves teachers having itching ears mm -hmm. and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables mm -hmm. hallelujah so we see here uh, a very good uh, uh, passage of scripture concerning what Paul was talking about and if you go over into uh, 2 Peter chapter <clears throat> 1, verse number 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 16. Again, this is probably nothing new to anybody. Uh, and look what it says. And, and he said, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Mm -hmm. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Cunningly devised fables. So, so we see here, we see here what 
the Apostle Paul and what the Apostle Peter both said as far as what we follow and what we believe. When you go over into the book of Colossians chapter 2 and in verse number 6 it says, as ye, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. As you have received him, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now look what he says. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. So here we see another, yet another admonition uh, that we are to beware. Mm -hmm. We are to beware that we aren't spoiled. We aren't spoiled. That uh, any man spoil you. Uh, does anybody know <clears throat> when he when he said that any man spoil you? kind of interesting how, how the King James Version uses that word spoil. How any man spoil you. You know what that's in, in reference to? Is that when someone takes you into captivity mm. and they spoil you. In other words, it's like you're a trophy or you're a spoil of war. Wow. You have been overcome. You have been basically defeated. And you have been taken captive. Wow. Whew. Spoil you through philosophy. And vain deceit. After the tradition of men. After the rudiments of the world. And not after Christ. So we see that we... They label certain things, philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, and rudiments of the world. Wow. Right now in, in the church world, there's so many different teachings and observances that follow under all these what he's talking about. Uh -huh. Woo. Nobody's ever even uh, take a look at has, has, has ever taken a look at scripture and said, what, what does he mean by all that? What does that all mean? Uh, <laughs> but there's so many things that are that are there as far as what the Apostle Paul was talking about that that uh, when, we, when we take a look at what we see even in the Christian world, there's so many things that just seem to have infiltrated the, the church. Now, there again, you can go back into church history and you can see after the first century or the third century to be exact how all these different teachings infiltrated the church. They changed the baptism mode, huh? the baptism formula. Mm -hmm. The one God teaching mm -hmm. was, was changed into the triune Godhead, <clears throat> which was actually an influence that came from Alexandria, Egypt, brought into that council there in Nicaea. And then as as time went on and as the church became the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. the Roman Catholic Church, 
Here were all these teachings and doctrines that infiltrated the, and all the Christian beliefs were basically taken out of the way and all these religions were brought in and they were adopted and stamped as Christian doctrine. Mm -hmm. That's why I say we, we have to be thankful God revealed to us the truth and that we know the truth. Amen. Amen. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm out of time. <coughs> just, just one more piece of scripture. One more piece of scripture. Uh, Isaiah 48, 11. And, uh, says in, in Isaiah 48, 11. He said, for my own sake, even for my own sake will I do it, for how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another. You, you know what the Lord was talking about? He was going to definitely hold Israel accountable for their sins. You know what the main sin at this time was? Idolatry. Mm -hmm. Worshiping false gods. That's right. And you know what he said? And you know, there were some that even when they worshiped that false god, you know what they did? They, they tacked his name on it. We're worshiping Jehovah. Wow. So they made that false god, that image, they bowed down to it, but yet they said, this is Jehovah. So that's why he said, he said, I will not, I will not give my glory to another. So we see here, here was, here was uh, uh, a controversy that he had with his people. That's why he allowed them to go into captivity into Babylon, a place that, a place that was known for its idolatry. You know what really makes me, uh, you know what inspires me? I'm, I remember hearing this message preached in a, in a Brother Bruce Burgess years ago, 84, somewhere around there, 83, preached this message. And, and uh, I, remember, I remember the exact uh, scripture verse he used and, and everything when he came out and, and preached this and, and, and it was it was it was pretty awesome but I always remember this. <clears throat> what what I what I received out of it that particular night was that uh, we are to we are to stand. We are to stand. Okay? We are, we always uh, we always talk about these individuals. We talk about them. We, 
they mentioned to him in, in uh, youth night. And so we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah were the Jewish names. Okay? And, and here, was, here was King Nebuchadnezzar building this great big image, this likeness. Of course, everybody knows the story. And then he built this image, and what he, want, he wanted all of Babylon to fall down and worship. When they made a certain decoration and they, they blew the trumpets and, and, and all this, you need to bow down and you need to worship that image. But those three Hebrew children did not bow down. They did not bow down to worship that image. Instead, they, they stood. And when he found out what happened with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Ananiah, Azariah, Mishael, or Hananiah, they, they, he, he was angry and he said, is it true? And they said, yes, O king, it is very true. But be it known to you that we will not bow down to that image. Even to the, even to the decree of, of death, they said, we're not even going to think about it. We're not going to think twice, king. Mm. He said, well, I'm going to give you another chance. He said, the time, the time you hear the coronet, the sackbut, the harp, and all this, <clears throat> if you don't bow down, he said, you know what's going to happen? We're going to take you and we're going to cast you into that uh, fiery furnace. And you know what they did when they played the music? They didn't bow down. That's right. Amen. And Nebuchadnezzar kept his word. So he commanded them to heat the furnace seven times hotter. And you know what he did? He said, cast these men into the fire. And so they did. But what happened? Did the fire burn them? Nope. The Bible says, he looked into that furnace and he said, I thought we threw three men in there, but I see four. Amen. And we're like unto the Son of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Why? Because they stood their ground. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Why am I saying that? Saints? And I know years ago, when, when I when I first received the Holy Ghost, when I when I first heard the gospel, man, my heart, the Lord really did a work in my heart. He did a number in my heart. I, I just said, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I am here to serve you. I am here to worship you. I'm here to live for you. There were a lot of things that came our way as far as doctrine and teaching that you know I never really realized and understood before. And, and nobody ever took the time to tell me that. Mm -hmm. So I realized something. I wasn't told the truth when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. huh? mm -hmm. I just get little bits and pieces of it. You know, that's all the devil wants you to have, little bits and pieces. That's right. Mm -hmm. He don't want you to have the whole truth. Yep. Yep. He just wants you to have bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. And I, I embraced it, but and even some of the bits and pieces, guess what? It wasn't really truth anyway. Mm -hmm. It was it was basically <clears throat> it was mingled. It was mixed with amen. Religion. Mm -hmm. With philosophy, with tradition of men. Huh? Mm -hmm. And here I was, and I believed it with all my heart. And so 
But when it came time for me to finally make that decision to, to, to know the truth and to obey the truth, guess what I did? I said, Lord, if this is what it's going to take, if this is what it's going to take, then I want to do it, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know what? I upset my family. My, my grandfather was an Episcopal minister. My uncle was an Episcopal minister. The majority of our family were raised up in that, in that religion. And here we were, and when we made that truth, it was just like, uh, man, we, we definitely shook and shocked the people that we knew. And you know what? Here I was, 27 years old. I was in my early 20s, and I said, Lord, I know this is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I, I knew it was the truth. And so I embraced it. I, I obeyed it. And from, from that moment on, guess what? I've walked with that conviction in my heart to hold on to the truth. Yeah. We're, and, and the reason why I'm saying this, we're living in a day and in the hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. When the church needs to let go of these man-made doctrines. And let the truth, let the truth come and minister to us. That's why I'm saying this. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I'm saying this. Hallelujah. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. And I'm going to say this and I'll close closing for tonight. But that's why the Apostle Paul said this in the book of Ephesians. He said that, uh, amen, that in chapter 4 in the book of Ephesians, he said that, uh, in, in, in verse number 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I feel the need to, to teach this. I feel the need to teach this. By no means, I'm not afraid of it. <laughs> Amen. But I know certain people are. It's just because what we we believed in what we embraced all our life. And you know what? I believe this God wants us. And, and I'll prove that. I'll prove it. I'll prove it. God wants us to come out of it. Amen. God wants us to embrace the word. God wants us to live. Amen. So we'll stop there for tonight. I went over. I'm sorry about that. Praise God. Uh, tomorrow we will have practice at uh, 7 o'clock and Anybody knowing? If you come across anybody that needs any potatoes, okay. We have some guys left in this, so just go ahead and give it to anybody that needs them. So thank you very much for your time this evening. God bless you.